0: get every channel right, look that the whole funnel is working and even have conversations about how does your package look like, right? How is the customer actually receiving your product? What is in the packaging of the product? Is there like a referral code? Is there any opportunities for an upsell, cross-sell, whatever it is? It's none of our business in the first place.
1: Today, I sit down with Franz Mertz, who is an agency owner. And today we talk about all different kinds of things. Number one, we talk about how he started off as a CMO and was able to scale his brand to seven figures, how he acquired an agency and was able to scale that up as well, and how he operates his agency and the team structure behind that, and so much more. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com, and let's get into the podcast. Franz, it's a pleasure to have you on the Scaling Ecommerce podcast, finally. I was trying to get you on earlier, but unfortunately, the internet connection isn't as good in Bali as it used to be. So it's a pleasure to have you on, man.
0: Thanks so so much for having me. It's a great opportunity to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And before we were recording, we were chatting a little bit about your previous history and everything that you worked on. And one of the things that you mentioned to me was that you were able to build up a seven figure vegan supplement brand in the past. And obviously that's in the past and you're running an agency right now. Tell me a little bit about that specific brand, how you were able to build it up, and what made you transition into the agency lifestyle?
0: So basically, I started at the company as a CMO, right? I had different backgrounds from um, branding when I worked at BMW. I had backgrounds in email marketing when I worked at another startup. Um, and eventually, I, I joined the Vegan Supplement brand, um, and yeah, and joined them as a CMO. And we, we really ramped up um, meta ads, and I was pretty new to the space, to be fair. But I was just gaining knowledge day by day. I was grinding it out and soaking up every information I could find on the internet basically and really go deep into the media buying stuff. And back then it was not like you, you just go on a broad targeting. You really need to figure out which, which audience you are targeting and um, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, then we we had the customer acquisition channel going and I was really like, oh, okay, we need to make sure that the client is buying a second time and a third time and all that kind of stuff. So I took care of, took care of the, the email marketing side of things, right? And um so week by week we passed, we grow and, and my skill set got better and better. Eventually we had six figure months um on the Shopify store and um had a really good run. After that, I was deciding to um maybe challenge myself a little bit more because like, you know, day in, day out, things get like a little bit boring. Maybe not boring, but we, we all know the space. Yeah, and so I eventually thought, okay, let's let's give the agency model a try because I have all these skill sets, right? And then I, I took my first project on the side um, that was pretty successful, even though it wasn't e-commerce, it was some recruiting um, back then. But I said, oh, okay, I, I can do stuff on the side and write an invoice and make money of that, nice. and much I make in a month uh, when I got as the, the role as a CMO. And obviously, um, I took another chance, another chance and then Things grow and um, yeah, and I parted ways with the with the supplement brand and did go full in on the, or all in on the agency. I did that for a couple of months and then opportunity occurs where I actually was able to buy another agency, right? Because they had like project going on and I was buying, which is now called a seven times performance Um, and back then. Uh, I bought it, I took care of the, the operations then, I optimized it a little bit, brought on my clients to the new brand, and never looked back, and today we're doing still the same things, so we're taking care of the customer.
1: So you basically, the acquisition was more of an aqua hire, basically, where you were able to bring on the team to do the fulfillment side, right?
0: Yeah, basically, yeah. Nice. So that was pretty pretty working well, and um, I got pretty lucky, actually, because um, I was really taking on the cash flow. Um, without having any big risk, and then yeah, just go from there.
1: I was—I'm actually curious about that because this is the first time that I'm speaking to someone that actually is that has acquired an agency for their business. So, break that down for me. How was the whole transaction process? You know, from start to finish, and how did you actually find this agency to actually purchase? Because it's a lot harder this to, to do the actual transaction. You know, rather than being like, oh, "I want to buy an agency." It's like, okay, cool. Which agency wants to give up their clientele to? someone, like a stranger, for example.
0: Yeah, it's actually one of the, one of the stories I like to tell the most because I was at the very same place. And as I told you, we are around traveling a lot because I was in the same place two or three years ago at the same um, living room I'm sitting right now. Mm. And I had a couple of clients with my agency where I just started out and, but I got the feeling I'm not doing enough and it's not good enough. I don't have enough clients. The team is not growing fast enough. And I was really like angry on myself, right? We all know that. Um, feeling, so I had this moment and then, uh, my girlfriend picked me. I said, oh, let's go for a walk. That's maybe a good idea. So we went for a walk and I got a phone call, um, from a good friend of mine. And he's saying, Hey, I know two guys, um, they have different ventures going on and they want to sell their agency because that's, should, takes too much focus for them. I was like, okay, let's, let's speak. And then literally 48 hours, we sit together in a Zoom call and saying, this is our clients and this is what we do. Can you do it? I was like, yes. And they, I told them how much is, how much is it? And they gave me a price tag. We did one round of negotiation. We were like, okay, set, because they were so keen to give away the business. And I was so keen to level up. So it was really a a perfect fit. And a week later we signed all papers because that's the nitty gritty stuff. But it was possible to, to do all papers, like in a week or 10 days it was. And yeah, um, did all intro calls with the clients and um, they were out of business. Um, I took the brand um, and scaled them up again. Basically, we were on the downturn. I was purchasing it, buying the agency, and then we went on a upturn again.
1: Dude, that's amazing. And how was the difficulty of the tr- that initial transition period? Because I think that's usually where I would see the most problems personally. I've never done a transaction like that before. But just thinking about it, it's like that transition period is always the most hardest because you don't know if... You know, it's like getting a new liver or getting a new kidney. You don't know... If that's going to be rejected by your body. Same thing with no. the clients. It's like, you don't know if those clients are going to reject you as a new leader or as a new head of the agency or not. So ha- walk me through that. How did that go?
0: Um, surprisingly, really well. But I have to say, I come along really good with people. So I barely fight with any people. And I'm like, I just, I like to be myself, right? I like to do a silly joke. Maybe if it's not the right place for it, I do it anyway, right? And it turns out that most of the people are actually appreciate it because I just had a call today and they were saying, um, yeah, I would like to work with you in the future because you're different. You're not like the, um, yeah, we're an agency and we do this and we are super boring and um, we work nine to five and uh, you can reach us here and there. I tell them, hey, look, when we work together, we have fun working um, on the project. We have fun when we have a call, we do jokes, Um, we enjoy the process of like leveling up. And if you want to level up with me together, that's totally fine. And if you don't want to, well, that's up to you. Well, then you're not a good fit for us. And this this scenario is actually turning out pretty good that we find clients that we enjoy working with. And I think that is something um, we, are, we should be more grateful for, actually.
1: It's great that you mentioned that because I've noticed that same exact shift personally when working with my own clients is when I started off, I was just purely like business business. I take myself very seriously, you know, we get things done, we bring the results. But when I started to be more personal and started to show my personality a lot more on whether it's the sales calls, the client calls and even the employee calls and like team calls that we have, I started to enjoy the process a lot more because I can actually be myself rather than putting on like this business, you know, suit on or button ups on type like surface and uh, it's a lot more enjoyable to have that business and the clients actually find it more enjoyable to work with you because you're actually showing yourself versus like a a, a facade in a way.
0: 100%, 100%. And I think there's some deeper level of connection, right? It's not just like a working connection. It's actually like um, if you ask the client, hey, how are you? How was your weekend? How was, how was the long weekend? How was the holiday with the family? How was your dog? Like even the simple questions are taking such a strong bond between you and the client that when something goes wrong and we know all, there are fuck ups, um, that happens to everybody, um, maybe there's a wrong link in the campaign or whatever it is, you can say sorry and really mean it and the, and the client feels, oh, okay, it was a mistake and we all do mistakes, we can move on from there, right? And But if you have like a more professional and you always deliver on point and this and that and you do a mistake, which is also totally fine, but it maybe brings a different light to the to the scenario if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It's the way that you're framed in a way, well, not framed yeah. literally, but just like the way that the client already has, uh, like the context that you're coming in at it from. Cause it's more of like a friendly, like, Hey, you know, I fucked up, you know, what can we do about this? Rather than like, you know, you have like this perfect image. And then when you mess up, it kind of like taints that perfect image in a way, rather than, you know, we're just all people things happen, that yeah. sort of thing. Now, Transitioning more onto the agency side of things, once you've acquired the agency, you're now from what we've talked about, you're having a a very holistic approach when it comes to working with your clients and the brands that you work with. Tell me a little bit about that for people that aren't unfamiliar with your agency. Like how do you approach client work when, you know, you work with them?
0: Yeah. So basically, and This is totally fair, there are a lot of agencies doing one stuff and you're one of them because you're like the absolute top G's in the email marketing space. Right? (laughs) Um, We we try to, when we onboard a client, wherever the client is, depends on the client obviously, but we try to see it as a whole company and not only in one acquisition channel, right? We have a look on how's Meta performing, how's Google performing or like Meta or TikTok even, um, how's Google performing? And how is the customer retention rate, or even, even one step further, we look where's the conversion rate at the moment, right? Because when we want to drive effective traffic via all the platforms, we need to make sure that traffic is actually converting, right? And I can do like the sixth ads, 5% CTR rate, I have the sickest offer, but when the checkout wasn't working or the checkout is shit and I lose 90% of the people there, well, the, the whole funnel is not working, right? Or it's not working like it could be. And this is just one example how we look at the things um, in general, like the holistic approach, as you said, get every channel right, look at the whole funnel is working and even have conversations about how does your package look like, right, how is the customer actually receiving your product, what is in the packaging of the product, is there like a referral code, is there any opportunities for an upsell, cross-sell, whatever it is, it's none of our business in the first place. But there's something called, and I got this from Sam Owens, it's called second order consequences, right? Right. You do one thing and uh, it may be eventually it's not, hasn't, it's had not an impact right away, but it could have an impact two weeks from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now. And eventually if you make a thousand purchases or like 10,000 purchases and you get a 10% in the back end without any ad spend more, you, you want profits, right? Because you're just selling without any further costs. And you're basically stacking profits, and then you do this with every channel, with every opportunity. Your business is different, and I, I I don't see many people out there who are actually um, providing this kind of service. And I'm really proud of it actually to to be the person or be the agency. We're saying we go the extra mile. We we look beyond, you say, um, in Tel in Germany or beyond the borders, basically.
1: Right, and that's the great thing about having like a, a very omni-channel approach is once you t- start to tweak things here and there, like it, it might not even be like, a, you don't have to double Facebook ad spend or TikTok ad spend or, or whatever to see those marginal improvements. All you have to do is just maybe get like a 10% bump here or a 15% bump here. And you start to have a completely different business that could be making an extra 50K a month or 100K a month just by those little tiny tweaks.
0: 100%. And just recently, uh, we had a client which were actually like have all channels for customer acquisition in place. They have, but the problem is they have like a 95% first conversions, right, and then they are like 150K per month. And we say, okay, let's fix the retention. We ramped up view and did another 25% a month after, right? Nice. And now they're saying, ah, okay, uh, we don't need to level up or if you want to increase um, ad spend, we don't need to like have the same ROAS or we don't have like even improve it or. Goes slightly lower depending on the case, but we can actually decrease our ROAS target by if really like a they like go from five to four, which allows a way higher ad spend because you know the back end is working much better within a 30 day frame, right? Right. And it's, I, I for me, it's it's crazy because th- it's common sense in a way. And I, we are in our marketing bubble, right? We'll be speaking about the things as would be the, the most normal thing, right? Because, but still, there are e commerce founders and owners out there or assume also whatever it is who are not thinking about this kind of things. And um, I find it very interesting like for us it's very really common sense.
1: The amount of brands that I've talked to and I'm like, I'm talking to them like 30% of revenue should be coming from email as like a normal thing. And they're like, what? How is that possible? And like they're only getting like 10% or even 5%. And it's just like, well, you got to have the right systems in place or you have to have the right partners in place in order to achieve that. And then they start to understand it And they understand it even more after we start working together. When it comes down to running the agency, I used to have the whole holistic approach as well, just like you did. And to me, it got really, really tiring. And I got really burnt out very quickly after handling, I think like five or six clients and we were doing everything for them. The creative, the copywriting, the ad structure, the emails, you know, the whole enchilada basically. How do you manage that? And like, how do you manage like either like stress or burnout or... Um, the team structure to prevent the burnout when handling everything for our clients.
0: So I I have it structured um, like the following. In our team, we are like there's this T shaped guy, right? It has like a, a basic knowledge about all cross topics, and then there's that one topic where you see like the super pro, right? And yep. as a founder at the beginning, you you're the guy for everything, right? You you should be like a super team, like you should be the deep knowledge for everything, right? But when I built a team, I was realizing we we need a team, which is like good in all topics, um, but had like maybe one deep approach to everything and could do certain tasks way faster. For example, we have one person who has a good knowledge about every channel. Where, I know how Facebook ad work, Google Ads, all etc. But the the main point is um, when we do a Klaviyo setup or building, um, do improvements on Klaviyo setup, the person is really good at the Klaviyo. And it's much more familiar with the topics, can work much, much faster. So we can use that as an advantage to have this task done really well and fast um, without losing any kind of the other services and doing them worse. Right. And okay. same for other things. You have somebody who's really good um, for media buying. Like there's some people out there who are saying a oh, media buyer is not, not that important at the moment, but I think. There's a fair play to say we have one person who's only taking care about the media buying because there's always like changes and stuff like that. And we have a person who is, for example, extremely good in in topic Google ads, right? Um, Because Google ads also very different from meta ads. And we know when we have like a project, we have like these things that we have, and then we align the tasks to the expertise of the certain persons, right? For me, I'm in a lucky position that I'm don't need to be like the super t-shaped guy anymore right you have somebody for you for google for meta and and i just take care that everybody is happy and we have some new cool clients um and working is generally fun so that's the really good part of course there uh, i will be involved in some operations and all this stuff that but and basically this is how we structure things and made really good experiences
1: right now how do you how do you go out go about like hiring those t-shaped people because they're very hard to to find or is there a specific methodology that you follow when you let's say you bring on a google ad specialist but they only know google ads they don't know facebook tiktok or maybe they don't know how Clavia works is there a specific way that you train people up when you bring them on to make them more t-shaped rather than just i-shaped i guess over the years
0: there we, we've built some solid sops right it just come over time then we built the sops with looms etc etc so we we all watch the same videos, right? We have all the like the same knowledge. Of course, we bought some courses, have resources here and there. But in the first place, when i looking for new people, the first thing is I do is I go to my, I take my phone, mm-hmm. I watch at my uh, contacts, and I think about 10 people who maybe knows one or two more person that could be a fit for this role, right? Right. And you will be surprised how many opportunities you get back. Right, because if you send like 10 contacts, you send it to con- 10 contacts, they have like another 10 contacts, um, five of them replies, you still got 50 replies, right? Maybe you get like, sometimes you get like five, sometimes you get like 10, but even though you get five to 10 really good aspiring people, they're coming from your network and when they're coming from your network, they are like in a different mindset because obviously they're connected to one of your friends. Um, they want to deliver on a on a really high status. And all that kind of things, right? Things that are just normal if somebody's coming from your network. And this basically basically what we do, right? And I never did something else. Like even with, uh, in the beginning, um, I struggled finding clients, right? Like every agency we struggled here and there, and then it was not really a constant lead flow. When I started, I was just checking my on-tech list and texting, Hey, I'm starting out, you know, I've got experience from here. Just send me over like two, three contacts if you know about somebody with maybe could need help. And it worked pretty well. And I just applied the same concept for finding new people.
1: Yeah, that's like usually going through your own referral network is the best way to hire people. That's what I do first. And then I move on to the link, like going on to my social network, like people that follow me on Twitter or YouTube, LinkedIn. And then I go to like Indeed and like LinkedIn hiring and all those different job placement boards because like you're kind of like spreading out within like your social circle. People that follow you, and then just random people, because you know the the, the wider out you go, the worse quality. I wouldn't say the worst quality. I've actually had really, really good hires from LinkedIn. With like not surprisingly, like some of the best people that I've hired are from LinkedIn. But you know, you do get a lot of good quality candidates right off the bat within that social circle.
0: And to be fair, like we are not like a hundred percent agency, right? I'm talking yeah, also freelancers, influencers, um, micro influencers, all that kind of stuff. Of course. Uh, I don't want to be like the person who says, "Oh, he's like hiring people to hire hundred people um, in a month," because obviously that's not the case, right? But for circumstance, for circum um, situations, I just use this technique to find like an effective way to find the right people, right? And that applies for every area, if it's like influencers, um, freelancers, employees, um, everything.
1: Got it. Now, I think that would be a really good point to to end on here. Now. But that said, what is the best way for people to work with you or to work with your agency?
0: So you can book, obviously, a call on our website. So seven times minus performance.com. Um, check out our, there are some case studies. Um, there's a calendar link. Feel free to book a call. Uh, we can connect on LinkedIn. It's Franz Merz. It's F R A N Z M E R Z. And yeah, and maybe you, you find another podcast because I'm really trying to, um, Spread the word of seven times performance because I'm I'm proud of what we do. And maybe the person who's listening or looking at this right now is part of that in a another shorter time frame.
1: Yeah, for sure. And actually, before we end, I'm actually curious, what's the reason behind the name Seven Times Performance?
0: You want the real reason?
1: Yeah. Same, it's a uh, very I, interesting I asked, I asked, name.
0: Um so I asked, um because I, I didn't come up with the name, right? I bought the agency, but I asked the same question to the guys I bought it from. And they were like, uh they were standing on a whiteboard. Thing about names, right? And um, they were thinking like 3x rowers, 4x rowers, 6x rowers, and but well, n- nothing sexy. Like 10x is obviously Grand Condom branded. And we couldn't do that. And then they thought, oh, seven times is quite nice. Um not really a rowers target. It's not 10x. So they called it seven times. And, and they have like different parts of the agency. One is doing like more media side, and one is doing even the performance side, which we are doing right now. So it's seven times performance such a boring story actually
1: that's the thing like it's it, it's something very very simple sometimes like that like for me like i'm like i just need a really cool one word name and we came up with aspect with and i'm like you know what I'm, I'm gonna make the k or the c a k and make it backwards and it's just like just stuck with it since so yeah that's that's really cool man and it was a pleasure to have you on and um with that said i'll, I'll look forward to the next one yeah man well, speak soon Thanks again for joining us on the scaling e-commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like subscribe and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tip delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers, and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.